When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. Thirty million people in the United States-ish, there's uh, nearly half of them say that they've cried about their money. Nearly half. And you'd think, by the way, that's people living paycheck to paycheck, and that is a higher percentage, but not that much further ahead than people living on $200,000 or more a year. You would think those people are doing okay, and yet nearly half of those people say they're crying about their money. So the question was, for me, was... If, if there's so many podcasts, books, videos, all kinds of great, great stuff, people having awesome conversations out there, why, why are we still leaving so many people behind? Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Welcome back to the show. It is so great to have you here. And seriously, I I just want to remind you that this show exists because of you. So I'm so incredibly thankful that you dig it and that you listen and that you share this show. It really means so much to me. We've got an exciting episode for you. As Joe mentioned in the intro, millions of people are crying about their money and you might be one of those. I know I have certainly cried about my money 
so many times in the past, and I am not embarrassed to admit it. Money is ridiculously stressful. With all the content out there about money, it's so easy to just still feel lost at the end of the day. Like, what is going on? Well, Joe Salsui, he is host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast, author of the new book, Stacked, and he's a former financial advisor, so he doesn't just talk the talk. We have known about each other for years now, and why we've not actually been on each other's shows, I'm not quite sure, but Joe is here today and you're just going to love him. His mission is to help you get stacked, to grow and protect your money in a way that helps you live the life you want to live and do so while having some fun too. My gosh, we all need to have some more fun. In this episode, Joe shares the steps you need to get stacked, what to think about with this crazy current economy we've got, why your attitude about money matters, how to do money without having a nervous breakdown, and so much more. Let's get talking. Joe, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Your humor is always so infectious, and I don't know how you've not been on this podcast until now, but here you are. So thanks for being here. Thank you. You know, what's funny is I thought the same when you and I spoke for the first time on Instagram. You're somebody I've known forever. I I, I know your reputation. I know how awesome Uh-oh. you are. And I'm like, how did we not talk before this? So I'm super happy to be here. Thanks. We've got so many things I want to dive in with you. Uh, most importantly, I want to talk about your book, Stacked. I read it cover to cover. And I love, as I mentioned, I love your humor. I love the way you talk about money topics. It just feels so relatable. Uh, We're going to dive into your story a little bit more. But the inside of the inside cover of your book stacked, it says rich, wealthy, well-heeled, moneyed, fluent, not bad, but why not get stacked instead? So I, I really like this idea, this idea of getting stacked. Tell us a little bit about what does this mean? Well, the first thing that it didn't didn't mean was just another book out there because like you, I interview a lot of people. We do three days a week on the Stacking Benjamin Show and we're at like 1,200 episodes. So I've interviewed a lot of people and the world doesn't need Sean, another book, right? <laughs> the world is, just does not need one. But I'll tell you this, there's this study that I read, uh, which is by this group called Nonfiction Research. And it's a phenomenal research project called The Secret Financial Lives of Americans. And there are all kinds of disturbing statistics, like for people that work in offices and, you know, there's always that person in the office. Nobody knows who it is, but lunches are getting stolen. And the truth of that is there are people that are so screwed when it comes to their money that they have to steal lunch because they're starving. They are so screwed. And, you know, I remember having that when I worked for American Express, there was always somebody stealing stuff out of lunches and you're like, well, who's the jerk? Not so much being a jerk as much as it's they have no other recourse or people that eat out of dumpsters, people that have said that they have traded sex for money, like all of these things that give you a pit in your stomach when you read them. But the biggest one, the biggest one that really influenced this idea of stacked was that out of 330 million people in the United States ish, there's uh, nearly half of them say that they've cried about their money, Mm, nearly half. 
And you'd think, by the way, that's people living paycheck to paycheck, and that is a higher percentage, but not that much further ahead than people living on $200,000 or more a year. You would think those people are doing okay, and yet nearly half of those people say they're crying about their money. So the question was, for me, was if if there's so many podcasts, books, videos, all kinds of great, great stuff, people having awesome conversations out there. Why, why are we still leaving so many people behind? And so the, the goal of becoming stacked is to, it, it was to make it approachable for people that normally don't do money topics. So it was the, uh, my idea was to take the Hardy Boys detective manual, which I read in fourth grade and I thought was amazing. I mean, it was it's a must, right? <laughs> it was when well, you're in fourth grade. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, because you open up to the front cover, and I don't know, have, have you have you seen this book? I have, yes. You open it up, the right inside front cover, it tells you this is written with the help of a real live FBI agent. So this is legit. <laughs> like my brothers in second grade, I'm in fourth grade, we're like, if we want to be detectives, we just read this book because the FBI dude is going to tell us how to do it. And so my dad on like a muddy day would be, you know, he'd pull out with a car and we examine the tire tracks because in chapter five, it says that's what you do. <laughs> and then my mom, like she, she would grab a uh, door handle and we're immediately over there with the tape getting mom's fingerprints because mom's kind of sketchy you don't know well yeah of course i mean you gotta you gotta investigate mom right (laughs) exactly who knows what mom's up to and so uh i i just love this idea of something being pretty introductory being being this this uh easy to digest fun kind of campy thing that's inclusive that everybody could be a detective if you just read these things and then the second so that was kind of the the higher idea but then the um uh the 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 structure i didn't have yet and i opened up this an old cub scout wolf guide that i came across and, um, and, you know, you and I talk a, a lot about gamification, about lowering the temperature and making things easier for, on yourself. And the Cub Scouts were doing gamification way before all these app manufacturers who are doing it phenomenally well now in fintech and other areas. I mean, every, there's no chapters, there's achievements, you know, everything yeah, right, is an achievement. Right. And the easy achievements are at the beginning, which gives you confidence to do the later ones. And then it isn't about what you know. I mean, how many people, I I was a financial planner for 16 years before I transitioned over to financial media. I met so many people who knew every single financial thing and were doing absolutely nothing with it. Yes, (laughs) 100%, right? Yes. It, right. it doesn't have anything to do with your, I think the thing that I really like about having conversation with you is we know these similarities from, from working with real people, real life, like we're real life money experts uh, who worked with real life people. And what you saw was regardless of, of income, of demographic, of, I mean, so many different factors that really smart people that thought they knew everything about money. When you looked under the hood, it was like, oh, wait. Okay, things maybe aren't as great here. Right. Right. And and it's sad because the people that look like they're doing great, like their avatar, if we walk around, you know, with avatars like it's a video game. Right. Their avatar is phenomenal. They're dressed to the nines, they look fantastic. You and I would see under that hood and it was awful, right? Right. 
just often so, so, so bad. So it isn't what you know, it's what you do. So at the end of, you know, the Cub Scouts, Girl Scouts are the same. You, at the end of your achievement, you have you have these check boxes to show proficiency, to actually do something. It's not about what you know, it's about what you do. And then there's a place for your mom to sign it and you get your badge. <laughs> You know, I wasn't, so in the, the, I wasn't in the Girl Scouts. I was in the Brownies, actually, which I think yeah, is pre-Girl uh, Scouts. Yes. But I mean, I loved that sash. I mean, come on. As many of those little badges that I could stack up, I think we need to create like a money badge club, right? So, I mean, I would wear badges around, you know, uh, but I think but that- people that think this people think is Jonathan, people think this is ridiculous, right? right? There's people listening going, this is ridiculous. Let me ask you this. When you post something on social media, you love it when somebody likes it. It's the same thing, right? 100%. When somebody, somebody clicks that like button, we get this warm fuzzy. Ooh, somebody liked it. And if they don't like it, you post something else hoping they'll like that. <laughs> and if you get two likes on your second thing and only one on your first, you feel th- this is gamification. These social media apps are doing it now. So it's not nearly as ridiculous as it sounds at first blush. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah, when you put it that way and, and you have this emotional rush of somebody liking or not liking, uh, and I, I can sort of see the same thing happening with with money. You know, when you you buy something and somebody notices it, somehow you feel good, even if maybe that wasn't the greatest money decision. It's it's really interesting how all of this is kind of wrapped up together. Uh, I love studying emotions and thoughts and feelings around money and how that plays in our success. So, if if you're making the case, okay the idea around getting stacked and how we need to understand these concepts and we need to lighten it up just a little bit. What is getting in the way of us getting stacked? I think it's that we want the, we want it quick. We want it very quick. We don't want to build a foundation. And there's two problems with that, that, that uh, I think stand in our way. Number one is we don't realize how necessary the foundation is, but we also don't know how easy it is to build the foundation and how gratifying that will be for the rest of your life. Part of the same study, this uh, nonfiction research study shows that part of the problem we're having is with social media. Like we were, you and I just talking about that a second ago, that, that the part of the reason they postulate that uh, uh, real estate has taken off so much and so many average people talking about real estate is because of the fact that so many people are posting these beautiful projects they have, right? The reason we right. watch these flip it shows and we hear about these ridiculous numbers. I put $4 into my kitchen and I resold it for 190,000. You know? <laughs> I like <laughs> I that incredible. math. I know, right? But whenever I watch the Property Brothers, I think the same thing. I'm, I'm like, there's no way. There is just, there's that these numbers are not, I love watching that stuff though. And because it's all Instagrammable, and it shows us getting there very quickly. We love that. I mean, think about how many people six months ago were talking about crypto online versus right now. Like my feed used to just be full of crypto, just constantly full of crypto. By the way, before that, it was full of marijuana stocks, right? Yeah. It was it was all kinds of weed stocks. And now it's all kinds of, or was all kinds of crypto. And now what's happened to the crypto people? Well, <laughs> w- w- when crypto goes down by 50%, People tend to shut up about about it because we're not getting rich quick on it anymore. And so I think that we want something for nothing. And I think that uh, I think that's what gets in the way. I think once we once we figure out that that foundation will lead us to so many cool things, so many cool things, we do it better. Let me give you if, 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 at the risk of pontificating. Can I give you an example? Please pontificate away. 
this is this is so my favorite thing is to automate. If you if you learn automation, you don't have to be super smart with your money because serendipitously, which is one of my favorite words, serendipitously. <laughs> so good, I said it, it twice. Just rolls off the tongue, right? It's just beautiful. I love that word. So whoever created that word, thank you. Uh, you will a few times a year stumble upon these great money moves. Maybe and let's just take an easy one. Let's say that you figure out your cell phone and you save 50 bucks a month on your cell phone. What do most of us do? We high five ourselves, and then we go about our lives. And a month later, we forget that we've saved 50 bucks a month and we're going out to dinner <laughs> once or twice more than we were before, or we're buying more stuff that we're not using. Our food waste goes up something. It just goes into our regular lifestyle and we never really capture it. We're not paying for the phone anymore, but we're doing all this other stuff. So instead, if you find 50 bucks a month, immediately hook that up to a direct deposit to go into a separate savings account that's your emergency fund at the bank or into your mutual fund, your Roth IRA, whatever it might be. And you capture that, that $50 a month sounds like very little. It's only $600 a year, Joe, $600 a year is $6,000 a decade. And when I look back on my life, I always think, man, if I would have had like a few more vacations, well, $2,000 vacation is a very nice vacation. And think about if I could have three more $2,000 vacations over a 10 year period, what would that do? Like, what would that, how would that, that would change my life a lot. Just having three more vacations would be great. And that's just a $50 move. One $50 move creates three vacations every 10 years of your life that you didn't have before. So multiply that by the three or four things that we do that are these little moves per year. If we automate those and lock them in, all of a sudden it becomes this foundation that I'm talking about. And now you're building this cool foundational stuff on things that you don't need and don't like. I love that a lot. I talk about that, that tip all the time. I always tell people, you can find money in your bank account. I don't care how much money you make or if you think that you're really living paycheck to paycheck. There is there's some way there that we can cultivate some extra money, but then the magic is in what you're saying. It's what you do with that. Even if it's $5 or $50 or 500 whatever it is for you, automating that and sending that in a direction is so powerful because like you you just did the math for us and how that can that can really add up. What are some of the other money basics that you think we kind of overlook that we need to get back to building our foundation around? Oh, here's a big one that everybody hates right now. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up, right? <laughs> yes, which is this uh, emergency fund, right? Because, and what do you hear about emergency funds? Joe, it's paying like a quarter of a percent. I don't know if you saw this, but the consumer price index number that came out was 8.6. So I am losing purchasing power by having this money. So I'm not going to have an emergency fund. Like, why would I? Like, otherwise, incredibly smart, brainiac financial people will go emergency fund less. And this is, this is somebody who understands the math of interest rates. But the key to the emergency fund isn't, isn't that the ROI of an emergency fund, that return is in other areas. And I'll give you several examples. Number one is, let's say I've got six months of money sitting in an emergency fund 
And I'm somebody that worries about my investments. I worry about my long-term. Well, if I can keep my investments so that they're long-term, I can stay aggressive while things are down like they are now. I can continue to invest while things are down and I'm not going to really worry because I know that I have enough money to get through a short-term thing and I'm not going to have to go after this money. So people that would otherwise stay up at night can stay aggressive. But I see people without an emergency fund, they get more conservative with their investments in case they might need it. You don't want to do that. The second thing, though, is, and these are the big ones, your insurance policies. Like, this is one of my favorite things, is that when you look at your insurances, what you want to look at is not what the insurance industry tells you, which is, do you need this insurance? So pet insurance, do you need it? Do I not need it? Like, that'll be the, you know, an ad that you'll read. Do I need pet insurance? And I'll think, oh, do I need pet? I don't know. Do I need my, my cat? I, what if, what if something, I don't know. But if you enlarge that, And instead ask this, you don't want to have that insurance conversation. The insurance industry wants you to have that. What you want to ask is, if something happens to me, how do I cover my risk? And in this case, there are all kinds of different ways that I can cover my risk that might not involve insurance. And as an example, homeowner's coverage, if I've got that money sitting in a, in a bank account, even though it's earning very little interest, my return on investment is I can raise my deductible on my homeowners or even on my renter's policy. And I end up saving this money every month. So because I'm not buying the insurance, I'm getting this extra money, keeping this extra money in my wallet. That's your return. Uh, Short-term disability coverage. You know how expensive that is. For sure. And you super need it too. The reason it's expensive is they think it's going to happen to you, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, the odds are, yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's funny because you and I know this too, that people buy insurances that are cheap and they avoid ones that are expensive. But think about why insurances are cheaper and expensive. They're expensive because they have actuaries who think it's going to happen to them, so to, to us. So when they price the policy, they have to make it expensive so they still get a profit. They can make it really cheap if they don't think it's going to happen to you. And clearly that's, you know, car insurance versus homeowners. Your home, for most of us, costs more than our car. No judgment there if it's the opposite, but well, maybe a little judgment. But, but, <laughs> but generally, your house costs more than your car for most of us. But the car insurance is more expensive. And the reason is they think something's going to happen to you in your car versus something's going to happen to your house. But you could also raise that deductible, Sean. I mean, you could, you could make it so your deductible on your, on your homeowner's insurance and your car insurance are higher if you now realize that's a risk you're going to take yourself, but that's what that emergency fund is for. So all of these things, less short-term disability insurance, less, uh, less worry about what if I lose my job for six months? Uh, I can stay more aggressive with my investments. I can raise my deductibles on my homeowners, my renters, my, my car insurance, like all of these cool things things I can do because I have an emergency fund and yet people don't want one. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. 
And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Isn't it also about balance too, right? I, I think about, um, you, you mentioned pet insurance. I just got a, a pup about three months ago. Uh, her name is Winnie. She's adorable. Everybody stops her, us on the street and says, oh, what is that puppy? <laughs> so just a little proud pup mom moment. But nonetheless, uh, Miss Little Winnie, who is only five months old, has already been to the vet very, very many times. <laughs> And so I actually decided to get pet insurance after kind of looking at the myriad of options. And I thought, okay, let me get a policy that covers the catastrophe things if things really uh, kind of go badly and she needs a big surgery or, or something like that. But then I'm also going to balance it out with I set up a separate emergency fund for Winnie that I put a little money in every month. So I'm kind of balancing out that that cost between having some insurance and then having some sort of emergency fund for her as well. And so I, I think about money kind of in that that perspective as well is thinking about how do you create like a harmonious balance between everything that you have. So maybe there is a little bit of risk, but you're also taking care of yourself on the other side and not so worried, like you're saying about emergency fund ROI, because it just, it's not meant to do that. It's meant to help secure when when things happen. I love that you say that because I feel like too often, especially with uh, money nerds, right? Money nerds love to solve for optimization, love to solve to have things be optimal. And what do we know is that things change. It's very difficult to optimize things for tomorrow. We can optimize it for today, but if it changes, now it's suboptimal again. <laughs> Where I think what we should be doing is we should be solving for, to your point, I think we should be solving for flexibility. You know, how do we give ourselves the flexibility that as things change, we can kind of roll with that and not worry about it so much. So I think for me, that's that balance I'm looking for. So tell me a little bit about about your background. I want to dive a little deeper. You're a formal financial advisor. Um, I am a non-practicing CFP. So obviously, we both worked with people and then decided we didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, there's probably many good bar stories we could we could share with each other. But tell me a little bit about like, how did you go from from helping people to turning into uh, this amazing podcaster author that you are and sort of changing the way that you're talking about money with people? It's funny because that's all based on this discussion I didn't have enough when I was younger, which was um, which was this which was what do I value in in my life? And when I was a financial planner, I really liked it, but I was taking it home a lot, 
during the 2000 to 2002 tech wreck, uh, I remember that whole two year period just being, you know, I felt like we did everything right, but you can only, you can only tell your clients so many times in a row, Hey, we're only down 20 while the market's down 50. Isn't that great? As sweat beads come off your forehead. Yes. Yeah. And I'm looking at these goals still get flushed down the drain. You know what I mean? Even if you do everything right in some of these markets, I mean, we, we saved people a lot of money by staying diversified, not getting into the hype about, uh, thinking about the long term. but still you saw the, the economy just really take out investors. And it was the same in 2007, 2008, um, the uh so i found myself living it uh too much and i was having trouble sleeping i was i was uh i was having trouble focusing on my family and i have twins that were at home and needed you know a dad that wasn't just so worried about work that he wasn't uh, really thinking about the bigger picture and when i was 39 i there was an advisor there was an advisor kind of coach who sent out like this two weeks notice letter. And by the way, in the type of firm that I worked at, nobody sent out a two weeks notice letter. It was, this was more of a Jerry Maguire type place where you leave at midnight with the client files and then everybody's calling him at 7am to see who keeps the client. Right. It was more of that. So just the fact that he had a letter and he said, he said, you know, I feel very lucky that I've, I've, I've accumulated some savings. He calls it luck. I would call it diligence. But uh, I feel very lucky that I've accumulated some savings. And I also know that I like financial planning, but I don't love it. I think there's other things I want to do. But he didn't phrase it that way. He said, I think I have other mountains to climb. Mm. And, and I found that, that metaphor very powerful when I read it. I still remember reading it and going, wow, like this idea of climbing mountains. Well, it wasn't a metaphor. He actually went and climbed Everest twice. He's climbed most of the tall peaks around the world. He now runs an adventure travel company. Like when he was talking wow. mountains, he was, he, he was, was talking really, mountains. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Chris was, Chris was really, um, really doing it. So, but I looked at that and I thought I was really in the same place and I'm 39 years old. I have this business that, that I owned that I could sell and um, I could go do something while I had that, that, that bucket of money from running a good business to go do something I wanted to do. And I really loved the teaching part of my job. Like I thought that was really, really fun. So I went back to school. I sold my business. I went back to school at 40 to become a high school teacher and a track coach. Cause that was what I really wanted to do. I wasn't worried about money anymore. I was worried more about fulfillment and this idea of teaching the next generation to be better, uh, at, uh, at, at that time it was going to be English, right. To be better writers <laughs> and to have some fun with writing. Cause that was, that was actually what my degree was in was in English. And so, um, I thought that I'd get back to that, that stuff. And I ran track in college myself. I'd coach middle school track. My wife and I had met each other as track coaches. She was the girls middle school coach. I was the boys coach. Nice. And I loved all that stuff. Well, I went back to school and I, within six months, I was bored with my classes. I was getting straight A's, which is cool. I was bored. I also, as I was saying goodbye to my clients earlier, they had told me that they thought that I'd be a good teacher, but that I would spend most of my time fighting administration, that I wouldn't be at teaching was not what I thought it was, which is sad. Um, cause I think, but man, my teaching clients were such cool people and just such great teachers, but sure enough, my professors were teaching me the same thing that I would spend a lot of time fighting administration and teaching to test. I wouldn't get to teach the way that I really wanted to. 
Well, I'm at home in shorts and a t-shirt. My friends who knew that I had done some PR stuff, uh, they, they started asking me to write newsletters for their clients or to, I had friends that were on TV, like I had been on television and I would write their TV scripts for them or radio scripts, or I would write all of this stuff. I do all kinds of writing. And after, after a year of taking classes to get my teaching uh, post-bachelor's certificate, I saw that I was making as much as a first-year teacher, and I'm having a ton of fun just teaching people about money. So a friend of mine, who now we call OG on our show, <laughs> uh, my co-host, he, he, I told him I was going to start a blog. He's like, hey, let's start it together. We started a blog. The blog did okay. About a year and a half later, we decided to start the podcast the podcast was okay for about the first two years. And then we, we made a hard pivot, a really hard pivot where we decided to embrace the lightness, the on-ramp to make it more like the tonight show, to give it a little bit more of an ADD kind of feel, <laughs> um, more of a circus. And, uh, and then it took off and actually it didn't take off right away. I, I'll, I'll go back just a little bit, which is we had about 3000 listeners at that time and we lost a third of them immediately which is by the way, another lesson that if you know that what you're doing is right and it's better, and it's really what you think you need to do, like, don't get too into pulling the people around you stick to your guns. Cause I had people telling me that I'd ruin their favorite show that, that it was, it was horrible. What we'd done, it, we were just rotten. And, uh, Oh, Oh, I remember, uh, one woman telling me that I was an egotistical person <laughs> we'll put it that way wow okay. uh, because i was because i was sticking to my guns by the way what's cool is six months later she wrote me back again and said you're right i like the show better <laughs> which was which <laughs> was super cool yeah but i was worried about it but it took us you know we weren't good at it when you first try something you're not good at it and i feel like we don't give ourselves enough time we don't let ourselves screw up stuff enough and so we messed it up for about two months and all of a sudden it hockey sticked and the show just started growing like mad. And, um, so anyway, that was my full transition. I also had other mountains to climb, uh, like my friend Chris did. And I'm so glad that I, uh, that because of him, I took seriously this thought of what do I really want to do? And is this what I want to do the rest of my life? You know? Yeah. And I, I like your story of figuring that out. And I feel like so many people listening, I might be speaking to somebody now who's looking at the state of affairs with the high inflation, high cost of living and filling up our gas tank and cursing every time we look at how much it costs. How do we balance kind of the chaos that's going on with with money and the extra pull on our bank accounts with that idea of maybe I need to transform my life so I can live a better vision. Like, how do you balance those two things when when one area of life that seemingly we can't we can't control inflation, we can't control how much it costs us to go to the grocery store, feels like it's just pulling all of the strings uh, on our wallets right now, but we don't really want to just keep living the life we're living. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. 
In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Man, I don't I don't know if you agree with this. I think you will. But I think you have to screw balance. You have to say I <laughs> yes. I can't I can't balance these these two because my life is finite and if my life is finite, I don't want to I don't want to um I don't want to look back with a bunch of regret saying I should have done this and I didn't do it. And I think there's always going to be something to be afraid of. I'm afraid of everything, by the way. I, I come from You're a family a good of company. people. Me too. <laughs> I'm afraid of so many things. And I have this mantra that I use to get me through it, which uh, Nike used for a while, actually. And there was a book in the 1980s, the, the late 80s, that was called this. And this was before Just Do It. They kind of adopted this phrase of feel the fear, but do it anyway. And, and I love that phrase because I think the dumbest advice I hear people give right now is, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about the economy. Right, right. Don't be afraid about the stock market. No, you can't stop yourself from being afraid. And you have every right to be afraid. And even if you try bottling that up, it's just going to come out in other ways. It is Every psychologist will tell you that is not healthy. Feel that fear. It's okay to feel that fear, but do what you're going to do. And, and, and I think then you, once you give it that fear and name, you can set it off to the side and you can then proceed, you know, you go, you know what? I am afraid of you, but I'm not going to let you stop me. So I think we can't balance. I think you just have to decide that my life is finite and I got to go for it. Yeah. It, it, when you're talking about fear, it reminds me of one of the chapters in your book. I really like uh, fighting fear and creating a Benjamin stacking mindset. I'm, I'm big on mindset. You talk about money scripts in there. So I, I'm wondering, you know, what piece of the puzzle does our attitude towards money have in kind of this overall idea of, of stacking money, of building wealth, whatever it might be? Uh, uh, what piece of the puzzle? Yeah. Does, does, your, does your mindset, do, do these money scripts, all, all this, how does this oh. play into your overall success? 
hundred percent plays into it. Well, not into your success, but it is friction. And I think you have to know what the friction is uh, to go forward. I love this idea. And I don't think we do this enough. I don't think we look back at how we came up with how we manage money. Now, why am I so frugal or why am I a spender? I'm not frugal. I'm way a spender. I will, if I don't have checks and balances, I will spend money on anything. If you'd have told me that it cost me 20 bucks to talk to you today, I would have thrown 20 bucks your way. Only 20 just... bucks. Let me see. I'm, I might have to raise my price here. It's like, wait, hold on. But, but, but I will, I will do that. So I have to set myself up systems, but I know why that is. The reason for me is we didn't talk about money at all when I was a kid. And when I had money, because I rarely had it in my hand. And when I did have it, it was just to go blow on whatever I want. That's why I like blowing money. I like blowing money because that's what I did my whole childhood. It's what I, I was never, we never talked about saving. We never talked about getting into debt. We just talked about this. Hey, if you got money, go feel good, you know, go, go, go spend it on a bicycle, go, go buy a, go buy whatever it might be. You know, the next time we go to the store, load up on candy, whatever that might be. So, and, and people have money scripts that are much more serious than that, where they heard their, you know, they're, they're maybe their mom sitting at a table crying about money or uh, a dad and mom fighting, you know, about money or whatever right. it might be like going back into those things. You got to, I think, figure out where the friction is so that you can overcome that friction. I know that my impetus is to blow cash. I need to know that so I can set myself up systems so I don't blow cash. And once I realize that and I walk through that and I verbalized it, I then was able to much more easily. It's almost like, you know, what's, what's the first thing in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, admitting, admitting what, what the issue is. Actually, you look at all of those groups. The first thing you do is you admit what your issue is. And I think that when you start with that, then it's easier to, uh, to proceed. So I want to give everyone uh, maybe a little, I hate to use the word to-do list, but maybe a few little action steps. So of course, they've got to grab a copy of Stacked, read it ASAP. But other than that, what sort of money steps do you think we can take right now to just get ourselves in a better position, maybe to brush up on the basics or just to feel a little bit more prepared for the environment that we're operating in right now? I love this idea that people that are here with us are listening to responsible voices. And I think that we need to do that in our life. I think that's job one is surrounding yourself with the right messaging. And they've already done that by listening to your show. I think that though, continuing that message by surrounding yourself with the right people, getting together with those people over coffee and talking about what inspires you, lift each other up. Um, I think that's so, so, so important. You know, I, I have a coach who is, her name is Mary Lou and she's been my coach for a long time. And I meet with her every Monday, first thing in the morning. And she is somebody that, that my spouse does not like personally. And the reason is, is that Cheryl and I, my spouse and I, we we're so much alike. We're not even glasses half full. We're glasses three quarters full glass might be seven eighths full right? Everything's happy. It's going to work out. Everything's going to be great. Mary Lou, my coach is a, the glass is one quarter full. <laughs> um, and you know what? People are out to get you and you need to, but, but I need that. I think we need these people in our life, not people that think about the world the same way we do, but that have our blind spots. You know, that they, they, 
they love you and they're a friend of yours, but man, you're messing this up and they should be kind of blunt about it. You know, I kind of like, I really kind of like, and I know they do more for TV, but like Gordon Ramsay, who does the, the kitchen shows, I could probably do without the yelling, but, but by the end of the show, you know, even when he goes into these restaurants to help them, he wants the restaurant to do better. He really wants to help this family succeed and he's going to get, you know, he's going to get where they want to go, but he's very blunt with these people getting there. And I feel like a lot of us need those people in our life who are just going to bluntly say, Hey, you know what, Joe, you're messing this up. Why are you doing that? Like, what are you doing? I think that's the first thing you can do is surround yourself with the, with the best people and the best messages. So from, from listening to the podcast now to go then have a surround sound of maybe a group of people that also also listen to the podcast, you know, that are in your local area would be a great group to get together with and have coffee. Well, Joe, I, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Uh, your wisdom is amazing. Love having conversations with you. Thank you for sharing all of this with the audience. I know you're on a 40 city book tour. I don't know how many cities we have left, but tell everyone listening if they want to connect with you, grab a copy of the book, check out the podcast. Where do they go? Yeah, my tour ends on uh, uh, next Sunday, so I'm not sure what day this is coming out. So they'll catch you the next the next tour. The next tour, that's right. Yes. So I'll I'll say this instead. Uh, the uh, thank goodness the tour is over. I loved meeting like minded people, um, but uh, I should have said four cities and not forty. Like that would have been, that would have been, a, would have been a much better thing, but connect with me on social media. Uh, say hi to me on Twitter. I'm average Joe money on Twitter. Uh, uh, we have a, we have a wonderful community of like-minded people, the stacking Benjamin's basement, a lot of dad jokes, a lot of, if, if you don't like joking around, uh, you probably don't want to be a part of our community, but those are a couple places to say hi. Isn't Joe awesome. As much fun as he was on this podcast, that is equally as much fun as you're going to have reading his book Stacked or listening to his show, Stacking Benjamin's podcast. It's just always a good time. Every time I talk with him, I just end with the biggest smile. I don't know. He's just one of those people that I wish I could have on my phone that just, you know, every day I hear a little message from Joe (laughs) when I wake up and it just helps you feel better, especially if you're you're freaking out right now about money or maybe you again you are one of those people who are having a few little crying spells over money just know that it's okay you've got some friends here that are here for you i think one of the things i really took away from this interview was when joe was talking about f- feeling the fear feeling the fear and just doing it anyway and i think that's how we can feel about money is it's really easy to just want to cover our eyes and and hide in a corner and and not look at anything. But I encourage you and I know Joe encourages you to just take some baby steps to just it's okay to have some fear. But the actual practice of moving through things that are scary for you, it just helps it to be a little less fearful the next time you do it. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, do me the highest favor, share it with a few friends, family members right now, helped everybody in your sphere get stacked. And I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode.